the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Mother of us all. Amen. I can't believe I'm saying this, but happy September. (laughs) That went fast. (laughs) This moment right now is one of those pivotal times of year when we get all surrounded by change and by newness and anxiety and fresh starts. We have kiddos going back to school, summer coming to an end, days that don't feel chillier but maybe more wet these days. We have new schedules, we have new routines, and we have new expectations. And regardless of whether or not you have a big change happening in your life these days, I bet that last one, expectations, is something that all of us can identify with in some way right now. Because as human beings, we're really good at coming up with new and improved expectations for ourselves and for the world around us. Maybe those expectations are related to a new school or work year. Like, this will be the time that I don't procrastinate. This will be the year we get out the door on time. This will be the year I get better at meal planning. Maybe this is the year you have expectations about health or wellness. New expectations about workout routines or Increased strength after health issues that you or someone you love faced this summer. A new outlook on life in the face of a diagnosis or death. As people, we hold a lot of expectations for ourselves. And often, we hang our self-worth on whether or not we can accomplish or live up to the expectations that we set for ourselves. So, how long will it take this year for us to realize once again that things are not going to go as we've planned? That we're going to fail, we'll fall short of the hopes that we have, we'll be proud, but sometimes we'll also be disappointed. Friends, all summer, we've been hearing the words of the law, the Ten Commandments, and over and over and over again, we've been reminded of what God's hopes and dreams are for our life in community and in action. And even if you don't have all of those commandments memorized at this point, I'm guessing you're more familiar with them now, or at least you're a little bit more sick of hearing about them by now. We've heard them a lot. And we've learned that God has some serious expectations for us as people of God. And as optimistic and hope-filled as all those commandments are, we're always going to fall short. And I don't say that to bum you out or to make you feel guilty. I say that to be perfectly honest, because if there's one place in this world where I hope we can be honest with each other, it's here. So here's the truth. We, myself included, are called to honor our neighbor and to love one another well and not to covet or steal or speak badly about one another. We're called to put God first in our lives, to worship God and not things 
or other people or ourselves. We're called to remember that phrase that we learned at the start of the summer, that I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of Egypt. We're called to remember that in the morning when we wake up, when we live our daily lives, when we sleep, when we eat, when we play, when we pray, and we forget. Of course we forget. We get caught up in other things and in ourselves and in our loved ones. And we get scared and tired and happy sometimes, and we forget about God's role in our lives and our role in God's life. That's just part of being human. So what do we do with that? What do we do with the knowledge that even when we try to live up to all those expectations, we will keep failing and falling short? Well, the good news is, as Lutherans, we have a lot to say about this. Because we have faith in a God who revealed God's self in the Ten Commandments, but also didn't stop there. God's dream for our life and relationship was so big and powerful that God came to us. In the grace of manna in the wilderness, in the gift of the prophets, in liberation and miracles, and finally in Jesus, God incarnate who came to us so that we might have new life, who lived and breathed and died and destroyed death so that we might know eternal life. Because on our own, we are all failures, myself included. We're unable to fulfill all those commandments that we learned about in the playpen. And the reality is, I love you guys, but by the time every single one of us have gotten to our cars in the parking lot today to leave this place, we will all have broken at least one commandment without even thinking about it. That's what being human is. But with God, we've been transformed. And we are of God now, which means that when God looks at us, God no longer only sees the mistakes and the missteps and the bad treatment of others and the pain. God sees it, but only insofar as God uses it to love us well and wrap us up in forgiveness and grace. Washed in those waters of baptism that we just played in together, when God sees us now, God sees Jesus reflected back. In baptism... We have put God on like a royal garment, like an alb. And so now when God sees us, God only sees grace, and it's the best outfit that any of us own. We are remarkably and ridiculously loved by a gracious and merciful God who cares so much about us that God came to be with us and lift the burden of death off of our shoulders. But what does that mean for our lives? What does it mean to notice that grace all around us? In the air that we breathe? In the relationships that we have? In the meals that we share? In our work? In our play? In today's reading, we hear from Jesus himself that now that he's come to earth, things have shifted. Have shifted. 
Yes, the Ten Commandments, of course, still matter. They're part of what guides our life and relationship. But Jesus helps us understand what it means to notice God's mercy and grace in our lives. And so he gives us two commandments. He says, first, love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and your mind. And second, love your neighbor as yourself. So, what does it mean? What does it actually mean to love the Lord our God with all of our heart? It's a personal question, and I think for every one of us it will be different, but here's my shot at it. God is all around us, friends. All around us. So perhaps loving God with our whole heart means opening our hearts to the possibility of being changed. Perhaps it means being vulnerable to the experience of real, humble, life-changing love in our lives. Or feeling empathy for others, even when they're different from us and are totally outside of our realm of experience. Or risking the pain of sitting with people in the hard and scary times. Or feeling gladness and joy when we dip our hands in water and remember the love that God has literally poured out for us in baptism. Remembering that we've been claimed by a love so big and unending that it makes no sense but is the best news. Maybe it means taking time to trace that cross on our forehead and on the forehead of others. Maybe it means choosing to believe in love and in the power of love in the face of a world that screams hatred. Because, friends, to believe in love in this world, to believe in it, is an act of protest. It is an act of faith. Abiding faith. What does it mean to love God with all of our soul? Maybe it means taking time to breathe deeply in a world that rushes past us. Or to call on the power of the Holy Spirit when we don't have the words or strength to utter a prayer. Two, when we're too angry or sad or hurting or tired to pray as we ought, to still try to pray as we're able, even if it's just a sigh or a second of silence, or a sob. To trust that God hears our cries, to trust that God feels with us, to take time to say thank you and help, and that was incredible when we do have the strength. Because to believe in God's presence in a world that would tell us otherwise is an act of faith too. Loving God with all our mind might mean seeking understanding or being curious about others instead of jumping to conclusions about them. Or maybe it means spending time thinking about God or the life of Jesus or sitting down to study scripture once in a while or pouring ourselves into our passions and working hard to live those fully and wholly because the things that we love and feel called to are signs of how God has claimed our lives for service. I learned this week 
that the word that we say is called mind in this passage, love the Lord your God with all your mind, that Greek word actually means imagination too. So love the Lord your God with all your imagination. Let God be big. Let God be magnificent, undefinable, bigger than any of our images of God. Let God be fantastic and outrageous and wonderful. Because in a world of logic and reason, which has its place and is important, choosing to let our imaginations run wild about what God can do and who God is, is an act of faith. The first commandment Jesus tells us, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind or imagination, is practical. That is our guidebook, our how-to manual for how to notice God's grace and love in our lives. And it's followed by that second commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. The idea is that when we practice living lives that are touched and transformed by the experience of grace, that love your neighbor part comes naturally which is great, but here's the thing. We can't love our neighbors well if we don't love ourselves well. Otherwise, love your neighbor as yourself ends up meaning loathe your neighbor, notice all of their flaws, be too hard on them, have high expectations of them that they can never meet. How often do we approach ourselves like that? In order to love our neighbor well, friends, we need to practice remembering that we ourselves have been claimed and loved by God in all of our messiness, all of our brokenness, just as we are. God has looked at us and said, you know what? That's enough. Everything you are is enough. I can love you fully and wholly and well just like that. And now you're mine. And I like to imagine... Just as a parent, a new parent, wraps their tiny child up in a blanket to help them rest well and to be safe, God wraps us in love and care at baptism. And every day after, God tucks us in to the grace that surrounds us, even if we've cried all night, even if we've been fussy, even if we've been difficult. God tucks us in to grace and to love in the air that surrounds us. So here's your task if you're up to it. This year, practice loving God with all your heart and your soul and your imagination. Practice noticing where God's grace and mercy touch your life and tuck you in. Practice noticing where God's love is evident to you in this world. And when you fail, which you will, I will too, trace the sign of the cross on your forehead and remember that God loves you immensely without end. Practice believing that. And then watch what happens when the people of God believe the promises that have been made for them because God's love has the power to transform this whole entire world. Thanks be to God. Amen.